Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Now from the ESPN studios in New York City, this is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Plus, listen and watch on the ESPN app. Really describe what we saw last night in Cincinnati when DeMar Hamlin after taking a hit from uh, T. Higgins, the wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals, the defensive back for the Bills, Hamlin uh, got up and started to uh, walk away and then fell down to the ground and, as we found out later, uh, went into cardiac arrest. He is currently in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. And uh, there's, there's really one guy who is kind of uniquely... Um, able to identify with what transpired last night in sports. And that's Chris Pronger. Chris Pronger in 1998 in a Stanley Cup uh, playoff hockey game was hit in the chest with a puck and about a moment or two later collapsed on the ice and was dealing with a similar situation. And he joins us right now. Chris, it's Chris Carlin and Chris Cantia. We appreciate a few minutes. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? We're we're doing well, and you know I asked Eric Legrand this a few minutes ago. I'll ask you the same thing. Um, as you're seeing that unfold, just take us through what you are thinking. Yeah, I'm. You know, I think you know, anybody who's played a sport sees somebody either you know, you know, break break a leg or an arm or get a concussion and, and, you know, woozy, you know, we saw two or two of Aguilera happen to him earlier this year. And this was a much different fall. You could clearly see he was in distress. It, just, it did not look natural and, and very, um, very serious in nature. You know, and I think you could tell by the response of the players that were nearby, the referees, uh, the, the training staff, medical staff, uh, team was on the sidelines. You could see how fast they uh, jumped to it and 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 went to help because it it uh, clearly something was uh, seriously wrong. And uh, you know it it I think you just look at when things like that happen, just the the air gets sucked out of the building and you just everything just like poof goes right to right to that spot. Chris. Chris, obviously the the focus of our thoughts and prayers go with DeMar in a moment like that, but you mentioned the teammates and the players on that field in Monday Night Football last night, and I got to ask you because you, you experienced a similar cardiac event, what was the response of the players and the teammates in that moment for you, what, what happened to you, and then how was it something that your teammates were able to work past and return to sport because ultimately – we are talking about them doing their job and playing the game. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, you know, and I think that's where these vary drastically. Uh, yes, I went down in a similar fashion. Uh, I don't believe I lost. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe I stopped breathing. Uh, obviously lost consciousness for 20 or 30 seconds. But, um, you know, I think once you see a player at least get on a, 
a stretcher and kind of moving and, you know, you're talking to them. You know, a bunch of guys came over to me and, and talked to me and, you know, wished me well from both teams, from my team, from Detroit. Um, you, know, you get into the, the ambulance, uh, you know, you look over. Like, I remember laying there, uh, all my stuff is cut open. I got doctors over top of me. I'm trying to figure out where I am on the ice. And I look over and I can see our bench and, and guys are crying. And, um, you know, you really, you really don't know. You know, they clearly didn't know what to expect, what's going on. Uh, you're, you're really in shock. And then to come through uh, in the way that I did and, and, you know, be able to not leave on, on my own will, but, but to be able to get, get carted off and, and everybody know and understand that I'm going to be okay is a little bit different in continuing to play the game than it would have been last night. Everything up in the air still, not knowing uh, how he's doing, you know, what's going on. Uh, that, in, in my opinion, that would have been really, really hard for some guys to be able to finish that football game. Uh, obviously a contact sport. Um, all it takes is one guy going 50% and everybody else at a hundred for somebody to get hurt. Um, so they, they obviously made the right call in, in postponing and suspending the game. But, uh, you know, I think you see, you know, I think the rest of that game, I know our guys were on autopilot, uh, until we got back to St. Louis and, and I met the team the next day. Um, and it was, you know, they, they were, they were worried still, but knowing, uh, knowing your past, the, the toughest part of it. Chris Pronger joins us. He went through a very similar uh, situation, at least from what we know of, uh, with what DeMar Hamlin went through last night. But his came back in 1998 on the ice for the St. Louis Blues in a Stanley Cup playoff game. He joins Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Chris, not comparing the two because we don't have nearly enough information on what's going on with DeMar. But just take us through what happened that night, what actually happened to you physically and what those next few hours were like at the hospital. Yeah, so we were we were killing a penalty. They had gone D to D, and I had I was stepping out to block the shot. It hit me right in the heart, directly. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't hit me any any more in the heart. <laughs> and what happened was it was commotio cordis, which is uh, you, you skip a heartbeat. And so when I get hit, it happens to a lot of little league baseball players. Uh, they get hit with a line drive, what have you. Uh, I got hit in the heart. My heart thought it beat. So I skipped one beat, and that was enough. The, the lack of oxygen to my brain in one heartbeat was enough to put me down. Uh, I, I got hit. It kind of burned a little bit. Uh, I kind of corralled the puck and got a, a whistle. And in my head, I'm like, all right, I got to get to the bench. I need to just – I don't want these fans booing me and screaming at me and whatever. So I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, get up and get to the bench. So I had already started to black out, I guess, at that point, because that's the last thing I remember. I don't remember standing up, and you know, I kind of stumbled a couple steps and then collapsed. And the next thing I remember, I was looking up at the rafters, seeing the retired numbers of the Red Wings and their banners, and turned over, and I could see the bench and guys crying. And then, you know, I got carted off in a stretcher, and my parents were at the game, much like, Demar's uh, family was at the game. My parents were at that game, and you can only imagine the reaction there. Uh, they came in the ambulance with me to the hospital, and then it was just tracking my heart, uh, you know, an EKG and, and uh, you know, just monitoring it. 
looking for abnormalities and any blips um, in it. And then the next morning, went through some protocol to, to get checked out of the hospital uh, and then got back to St. Louis, uh, went right directly to a heart specialist where I went through a battery of tests and put a, tw- a heart monitor on for 24 hours to track, again, looking for abnormalities or anything out of the ordinary. And then uh, uh, went back home, slept, got up in the morning, went back to the heart specialist. Uh, she then went through my data on my uh, heart monitor. I did some more tests, you know, and then it was kind of a Q&A of, you know, what does this look like? You know, can I play? If I do play, is there any short-term effects, long-term effects? You know, what what does this look like for me, you know, career-wise? All, you know, all the questions you might ask, uh, career-wise, non-career-wise, just life in general. And and from that, I basically got this is a one-off situation. It it, it is freakish in nature. It 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 hasn't happened in hockey since it happened to me 25 years ago. So that that kind of speaks to that. And and really, it was this is this is not a common occurrence. It it didn't do any damage to your heart. It was just a freak incident that that most likely won't happen again. And. Uh, really, it was just a matter of getting some of those questions answered and then asking about, you know, potential long-term effects or short-term effects. And if I get body checked into boards, is that going to matter? And, and just getting all those, that checklist of questions uh, answered. And from that, I said, all right, well, it was about like 4.30 now. I went down to the rink, um, told them I'd take warm-up and see how I felt. And I had all my questions were answered by the doctor and she gave me a clean bill of health and told me I could play if I wanted to. So I uh, had a good warm up, felt good. And so I played that game. Wow. Talking to five time all-star and 18 year NHL vet, Chris Pronger on Kenny and Carlin and, and Chris, um, we've come a long ways in terms of our society being accepting of mental health and understanding that people need time to process traumatic events, such as what you went through and what the players in DeMar went through last night in Monday Night Football, and the NFL has made it clear that they're willing to provide resources for all of the players and personnel, staff members that were affected, DeMar's family. Uh, just just out of curiosity, when it comes to your loved ones and the people around you and your teammates, how long did it take everyone to process what you had been through in that moment in 1998? Yeah, I think not till I got to the rink before game three and was – you know, talking to the guy, I, I pretty much stayed away, went to the hospital that night, you know, while game two was finishing up, stayed in the hospital that night, got back to St. Louis, you know, lunchtime, um, stayed away from the, I didn't go near the ring because I didn't want to talk to media and stuff. There was nothing really to say. I needed to see the heart specialist and kind of go through all that stuff. Went home, took it easy and, and more out of uh, deference to the heart specialist saying just, don't do anything, just kind of go home and, and kind of lay low. And then um, in the morning, I didn't see anybody, didn't do anything. So my teammates hadn't really seen me until I got to the rink before warm-up. <laughs> so they didn't really have a chance to talk to me other than on the phone, you know, and texting or talking to one another. And even then, 1998, there wasn't a whole lot of texting going on. Hmm. It was, you know, barely had cell phones. So 
you know, there, there really wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't much to do. I, you know, a lot, some of the guys came to me um, in the hospital before they came flew back. Um, but other than that, you know, I got to the rink. You know, obviously everybody's astonished a little bit with what happened and, and, and still in a little bit of shock. But at the same time, we're in the middle of a playoff series, playoff grind. You know, not not that I'm saying turn the page, but I kind of am. Like I'm fine. It happened. I, you know, I I answered some of the questions that the the heart specialist uh, that I had, and I gave them some of the answers that I was given, and you know, talked to the coaching staff, talked to the players, uh, on and on, and and it was really just an hour of look, guys. It was just a one off. It, it it's probably never going to happen again. Who knows? I mean, you know, I had a you, now when you see. Uh, shoulder pads there's a heart guard on there and that's basically because of this incident um so as you said everybody is different everybody's gonna deal with things in their own way um me personally once once i had all my questions answered and went through what it is what it what it does and, and how it affected me and why this happened i kind of had turned the page and was like all right i'm i'm fine that mental hurdle of worrying about getting hit again, I, I, I really attribute not being worried about it to being 23 and still thinking you're invincible <laughs> and, you know, being a professional, like, nah, this ain't going to happen again. There's no way. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't uh, probably young and dumb and, you know, didn't have a family, uh, didn't have wife and kids and all that. Um, so, I, you know, I wasn't really thinking in that regard. Uh, I was more thinking about I want to play. I, you know, I want to still be out there. I want to do what I do. And uh, I was given clearance that nothing was going to happen. Everything was good. And, um, you know, but that's, that's me. That's how I was with all my injuries. Uh, and then there's other guys. They, they need to feel 100% both mentally and physically before they're willing to play. And then there's guys in between that. And it, and it varies uh, player to player, athlete to athlete, uh, organization to organization. Some organizations don't like players playing hurt. Others want that. They're, well, not want that, but are okay with it. And so, um, you know, there, there's no real rhyme or reason to it. But uh, I, w- I would say the guys, once they saw me, were, were fine. There was, I don't think, any lingering effect of, of worry that it might happen to them or what have you. Uh, half of them didn't block shots anyway, so it might not happen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You always have that one over them for sure. Chris, That's right. wow. Uh, we really appreciate the time. That's some terrific insight. Thank you again uh, for, uh, which I'm sure is not easy to do all the time, for reliving it a little bit with us here today. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Chris Pronger, Hall of Fame defenseman, and uh, just sharing some of his stories from when he caught a puck in the chest in the 98 Stanley Cup playoffs and he went into cardiac arrest uh, immediately because of it and as you heard it was uh, something that kind of got resolved a little bit more on the quicker end uh, for him but a very similar situation and at least from what we can gather so far we don't certainly know by any stretch of definitively what happened other than the fact that DeMar Hamlin did go into cardiac arrest last night i feel like it's important to continue to uh play some of the sound in case you haven't heard it today from some of the people that have been um at the forefront of this including coley harvey espn reporter 
who is out in Cincinnati and explains uh, why it may not be immediate that we get any news on what's going on with DeMar Hamlin. We won't have any major uh, updates for the first 24 hours after these events because doctors typically will sedate and cool patients in these moments in order to, to work on the brain function. They want to preserve the brain function. After that 24-hour period expires, that's when they'll begin to wake that person up and try to see what brain function they, they, they have. So typically speaking, when this is done the way that it should, the prognosis can be good is what I'm hearing from cardiologists who I've spoken to. That's, uh, that's the kinds of news that is promising. Again, we don't have that for certain. These are doctors who I've spoken to who are not actually seeing DeMar, who are not in this room right now. I want to make that clear, but it is at least news that we can take uh, as a grain of salt at this moment in time as we try to hear more and more promising updates on the status of this Bills player. And Carlin, that's the tough part about all of this because we want some degree of certainty in terms of knowing that DeMar Hamlin is going to be okay. Yeah. We, we want that right now. And with every passing moment that we don't get that, it, it continues to be scary for us. We feel, we feel the full weight of it, the gravity of the situation um, just knowing that his life is in the balance and he's in that hospital in Cincinnati fighting, fighting, Carlin. It's just, it, it's it's tough. We want to say DeMar Hamlin is going to be okay. We we want that. But doctors, and rightfully so, aren't going to come out and make any definitive statements because we're in a period of time where we just don't know. And that's how critical, that's how fragile everything is right now. And, 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 it's, and it's tough for any of us, Carlin, to face our own mortality, but especially for football players, knowing the nature of the game that you play, knowing that this is a part of the job description, that this could be your reality. And to that end, let's listen to Dr. Jennifer Haith, cardiologist at Columbia University. She was on Get Up this morning. And this is more centered around what the concern is here in the next few days and what doctors are really going to be uh, focusing on when it comes to DeMar Hamlin? I mean, really brain function. So the brain is exquisitely sensitive to uh, oxygen. And during uh, a cardiac arrest, obviously oxygen is not getting to the brain well. So urgent CPR can help provide that. Um, and then as soon as a breathing tube is put in, obviously they're going to be able to deliver oxygen well. Uh, so, in, you know, the, the next coming days will be about his brain, his end organs. They will probably focus on trying to regulate his temperature, his electrolytes, looking at his kidney function, his liver function. Some uh, institutions will cool patients who have had a cardiac arrest in order to drop the temperature and allow for better brain recovery. But the brain recovery can be slow. And, but sometimes we can be very surprised and it can be fast. So at this point, I think he's probably receiving excellent care, following all the guidelines, and hopefully he will have a swift recovery with uh, intact neurologic function. And she painted uh, an interesting picture there to really give you a feel about what the concerns are. But back to your point, nobody's going to make any definitive statements about anything. And I don't even think you're going to see stories leak out, nor should you about what's going on here until it's clear what's going on here. And we, as much as we all might want to know that everything's going to be okay, that's about us. That's not about them. And and all it needs to be about right now is DeMar Hamlin and his family.
No, you're right about it. I can't say it any better than that, partner, and that's why we have to continue to send our thoughts and our prayers with his family. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, the reaction from around the league. Jeff Darlington is going to join us in just a few moments, and we will get his sense from what people have been talking about around that very scary situation last night in Cincinnati. Plus, you'll hear more from Dominique Foxworth and Mike Tomlin, Steelers head coach as well, who apparently has known DeMar Hamlin since he was very young, as Hamlin was a young man who grew up just outside of Pittsburgh. It's all here for you. We bring you the very latest as it becomes available on the DeMar Hamlin situation. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now from the ESPN studios in New York City, this is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Plus, listen and watch on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we're presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We want to hear more from you in just a bit. We've had some great calls today, great reactions to just what's going through your mind as you're watching that unfold last night and what your reactions are uh, to the situation here a day later with Damar Hamlin. Right now, we welcome in ESPN NFL reporter Jeff Darlington, who joins us right now. Jeff, as always, great to have you with us. And uh, just give us the sense of people you have talked to today around the league and the the general tone of those people that you have spoken to. You know what, guys? I, I think it's actually one of these situations where it feels um, like those who, even those who play the game, those around the league, whether it's, gosh, I was texting with coaches, literally coaches that were involved in the game. And I feel like everybody has a similar sentiment that, probably the fans watching it as well. And that, that is like just this sort of numb um, kind of stunned approach to the fact that, you know, as many times as we've seen someone hit the field and, you know, we get scared and nervous and then they pop back up eventually and they give the thumbs up. 
uh, you know, we move right along. And, and I think last night for all of us, that was just different. And I think it's okay that um, everybody sort of feels that same way, that we were all sort of like, wow, this is different. This is not good. And, and feeling that way for hours upon hours afterward, you know, personally me, I didn't really know what to do. I was just kind of sitting there sort of numb. Like just, I think everybody was probably doing the same thing, watching ESPN and watching, you know, whether it's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and Lisa Salters trying to give information they didn't have, basically just sort of talking or back in the studio, Susie and Booger and, and Adam, uh, you know, we were all watching it, just waiting for somebody to say he's okay. And and I guess we're sort of still sitting in that moment right now. Yeah, Jeff, and I think that uncertainty and, and you know, not getting an update just was one of those instances where it just continued to terrify us. But from the league's perspective, I, I wanted to ask what was their thoughts on how the medical staff and, and – the two teams mobilized in order to stabilize DeMar and get him to the hospital and just the logistics behind making a decision to suspend play last night. What, what was the league stance in terms of all of the people that were involved in terms of uh, the operations last night? Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they had a conference call last night, which, you know, to some degree I felt like some of it was a little premature in terms of the things that were being discussed um, in terms of like, you know, I, anyway, the, the, I thought that the the most interesting thing that I've heard from the league is is just hearing sort of the protocols that are in place for every game around the league uh, that includes a, a medical staff of doctors. And one thing I didn't realize that there is actually an air passage expert, an air patch, a passage specialist that is on site at every game and every year um, before the season starts, they go through an emergency medical plan uh, that involves that, that air passage person. I, I, um, for all the criticism that we probably have been levying on the NFL today for what felt like a very delayed response to postponing the game um, more from a a macro level, I I'm very impressed by the fact that the league was so prepared for that moment. Um, I had one player I was texting with a quarterback in the league who you know, he, this is a, a harsh sentiment, but he said, um, I don't think if that happens anywhere but a football field or a hospital that he lives. Uh, I, a professional football field where there were 10 trainers around him and an ambulance out there um, that he was receiving CPR within seconds of when it happened. Um, there's not wow. many places in the in the world where you survive that. And this, this player made a, a clear point to me that, um, he thinks that the, the football field, you know, I reminded him in that text, well, you know, it's not everywhere that you're colliding bodies with massive men at high speeds. But, you know, his point was that, you know, at least the NFL is prepared for it. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter with us. Um, I'm going to tie this in just in that it happened uh, on the same field. We saw a pretty scary situation earlier this year with Tua. And mm-hmm. uh, the what happened in that Bengals game, and then yeah. of course we see what is what has gone on with him here the last couple of weeks. Jeff, just aside from this story for a moment, the the health of Tua at this mm-hmm. point and what the expectation is here, kind of moving forward for a guy that has been in some scary situations himself. 
Yeah, I think this week we've really, from the Dolphins' perspective, and I never really blamed the Dolphins the last time around like a lot of people did. I, I kind of saw the situation they went through from one week to the next as just being a really difficult circumstance to navigate. Uh, I didn't think that they were malicious in putting Tua in harm's way, and, and certainly not intentionally so. Um, but I still sensed, even with that being said, that this was an organization that seemed to have learned from the last time, which personally I think is the only thing that we can ask for. I hear, I, I think hearing Mike McDaniel every day just say, you know, the only thing that matters to Tua is today, that he just does what he needs to do, that we're not even going to entertain the idea of him playing football um, beyond this moment, this day. And um, I think that's the only approach that we can take. You know, I, I hear on Twitter people anytime I mention it, hey, Tua needs to retire. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty, um, you know, that's an easy thing to say. Uh, that is a hard, that is a difficult thing to live, to do, to simply say that without all the, the uh, medical expertise that I'm going to give up on this dream that will support generations of family to come. I, I think that all of this is so heavy, whether it's what we saw last night, whether it's what we see with Tua, it's so heavy and so personal and so difficult to assess from anywhere but inside the minds of the people and the families that are going through it. Jeff, with regard to Monday Night Football, the Bills, the Bengals, uh, the NFL said in their statement earlier that they are not focused yeah. on if and when this game is going to resume. Yeah. They are focused on the health of DeMar, but the reality is that the season yeah. will go on. What are going to be the determining factors for the league on deciding when – it's appropriate for the Bills or the Bengals uh, to be back in action and playing football, whether it's against Damn. each other or against their Week 18 opponents? It's hard, man. I, I don't know, and that's why I don't envy the situation. I, I mean, I, 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 like, yeah, it, it's, it, it is all about him. It's all about his health right now, and that, that is perfectly fair, and, and it's really the only thing that the NFL can say right now. But, I, I mean, this is wildly complicated beyond that, and uh, it's unprecedented. I, I don't know the answer. Um, I don't know, you know, and it, you could say, uh, look, I mean, it extends. I mean, when we're ready to have the conversation, and I don't know when it is. I, I almost feel uncomfortable even talking about it now, but it's like it extends. You know, the games all have impacts on one another in this week, and it's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you – the, the Bills don't play, the Patriots, the Dolphins, all teams are impacted, but that it also doesn't matter. I, I don't know, man. I'm stumped about it. I have no idea. Do you just say it's a tie and find out what the math says after that? Uh, but the only thing I can sit here and say is that you got to think that we're all literally just hoping – all we want to hear is that he's okay. And mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that will lend the – ability or extend us the the nfl the ability to look beyond that but i mean that's all i think any of us want to hear is just that he's okay jeff we appreciate it man thanks very much thank you guys jeff darlington espn nfl reporter sharing the insight of talking to people around the league today i thought that was incredible that one player said if he's not a, a, a quarterback in the league that if he's not on a football field or in a hospital that he might have died. And that just shows you how grave the situation was, Carlin. Yeah. Wow. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio.
and on the ESPN app. One of the more thoughtful minds in football is Mike Tomlin, and you will hear his comments on the DeMar Hamlin uh, situation next. A young man that he has known since he was 12 or 13 years old because DeMar Hamlin is from the Pittsburgh area. You're going to want to hear that next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now from the ESPN studios in New York City, this is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Plus, listen and watch on the ESPN app. I'll have to find the story that Stash, our producer, sent to us this morning, but I read it this morning, and it's a profile of him uh, shortly after he was drafted by the Bills back in 2021. And you find out everything that he has been through uh, as a person growing up in a very tough environment from his father going to jail to uh, so many of his friends who have died in senseless, violent acts. And yet he finds himself uh, in the situation to play in the National Football League, uh, played at home in Pittsburgh when he could have played anywhere in the country, quite literally. And... uh, you, you find out all this remarkable information about the guy. We talk about humanizing players. Well, this story humanizes about it, and, and so will what Mike Tomlin has to say here. Listen to the Steelers head coach earlier today. Man, it's a really personal thing for me, uh, being a Pittsburgher, and, and that young man being a Pittsburgher, I've known that guy probably since he was about 12. Um, just got a lot of respect and love for him as a human being, um, his commitment to the pursuit of his uh, goals and dreams of doing what it is he's doing right now, which is playing in the NFL. And to watch him make personal decisions and, and, and make that a realization, um, it's just an honor to get to know young people like that. I um, had an opportunity to express that to him whenever I see him. We've played Buffalo um, each of the last two seasons, and he and I get to have a moment uh, because it's just cool to 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 – not only appreciate these guys in terms of where they are now, but to, to know them since they were younger people and to, to watch their maturation, their development, to watch them, um, you know, earn what they've been chasing. Um, it's just really a, a cool thing. And he's an example of that. I got a lot of love for that young man. We lifted he, him and that organization up in prayer. That's not obviously something that you ever want to see. And Chris, I thought of you when he was talking about this earlier, because I don't think people realize that the players and coaches who play for the local team do get to know 
some of the younger players in the area through all the camps that you work at and mm-hmm. through everything that's run in the football community in those particular towns. Yeah, and it's a couple of things with what Mike Tomlin had to say. First and foremost, it's a brotherhood, right? The coaches, the players, the men that are a part of this game, we recognize how fortunate we are to have this opportunity, but also how fragile it is in terms of your career longevity, but also in terms of the risk that you incur as a result of doing those jobs. And so in those comments from Mike Tomlin, you hear that come out. There's a level of compassion and empathy that he has for what DeMar is going through, but also for what his family is going through because he's had a chance to get to know him. DeMar Hamlin knew T. Higgins, and T. Higgins was the receiver that was on the other side of that tackle, on the other side of that play last night that – you know, led to DeMar having a cardiac event on the field. And T. Higgins had a chance to get to know DeMar Hamlin because of the relationship that he has with Tyler Boyd and working in camps in Pittsburgh, Tyler Boyd being a Pittsburgh native. So you can understand how there are those six degrees of separation where everybody is relatively closely knit in the NFL. And so when you have something like what happened last night, it affects everyone, Carlin. And that's why you're hearing players and coaches alike all come out and have something to say about it, sending thoughts and prayers to DeMar and his family and hoping for the best in this situation while also being faced with their own mortality. It is um, remarkable when you see this uh, entire league and anybody who has stepped on the field come together the way they have in support of the guy. And that's just something I – if you could speak to it a little bit more as somebody that played through it and uh, played through your entire career, understanding the level of risk that involve, is involved in the sport but never really truly considering it. Well, yeah, because it's something that's in the back of your mind, the fact that you could walk onto the football field and you might not walk off it. That That's in the back of your mind, but then you also – have a mentality, Carlin, that you're going to defy the odds. If you don't have that mentality, then you're probably not going to make it to the highest level of sport. If you don't think you're going to defy the odds, you're not going to get a scholarship to college. If you don't think you're going to defy the odds, you're probably not going to get drafted or be a part of the National Football League. So you, you recognize that there is a possibility that something of this nature could happen to you on the football field, that you could potentially put your life in jeopardy by playing a game that you love, but you never think it's going to happen to you. Do you think it's going to be somebody else? But, Carlin, every now and again, we'll have these incidents that that take place on the field, whether it's Ryan Shazier or what we saw last night with DeMar Hanlon, what we saw earlier in the year with Tua, what we saw with Eric Legrand, what we saw um, with Dennis Bird way back when with the New York Jets. You have these instances, even Michael Irvin at the vet when he was playing against the Philadelphia Eagles you'll have these instances that remind you of your actual mortality, and it scares the hell out of you. Last night for me, it was the scariest moment that I've ever experienced being a part of football. And, Carlin, I struggled to process it, so I'm sure that the players on both sides of that game struggle too. 